Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. San Jose. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Final. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. Good day to you, Chris. How we doing, my friend? Chris, are you there, buddy? I'm here. How are you doing, my friend? I am good. I am good. Okay. Well, we got another good show today. We're going to welcome in Tom Dionor to talk to New York Rangers hockey. I know that, uh, well, Chris will be professional. We'll leave it at that. He always is. Um, some arch rivalry going down, but I know Chris always keeps it professional, so I'm breaking his breaking his belly a little bit there, but uh, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun talk. Dana Lane's going to jump in and go down the Vegas lane. I guess the topic on everybody's mind in Vegas this week is the Raiders and if that affects the Golden Knights, so we're going to get his opinion on that, maybe preview a little bit of the playoffs since we have some some, some of the seedings are set and uh, get a little Vegas eye on that. But uh, let's break the ice. We've got some risers and fallers, and and uh, I'm a I'm a call out Chris's Islanders on the falling list. They had a real big win against Pittsburgh, and then they kind of laid down a little bit after that. Uh, Chris, what's going on, man? Are they are they playoff bound, or are they just out of gas? And now the end is near, and so I face <laughs> the final curtain. Uh, yeah, now it, it is. is uh, yeah, it is pretty much uh, over. John Tavares got hurt last night. Um, it looks like he hurt his hamstring. He's week to week. I mean, bottom line is oh, uh, the Islanders have five yeah. games. Uh, five five games left. Uh, they would have to win their final five, and then uh, I think need a lot of help. Um, so uh, yeah, I, it. You know, this at the end of the day, this season, uh, you know, you hope in a situation like look at Columbus last year, who was one, of, you know, got off to a terrible start, uh, had a coaching change, they were one of the bottom few teams, and uh, look where they are now. So the Islanders definitely have a lot of uh, good talent on the roster. I, uh, I put out a new article today, if I could do a self plug at eyesonisles.com. Absolutely, uh, Isles. Isles off-season action plan. So, if people take a look at that. Uh, I, I call for a number of uh, number of moves to be made, but um, uh, yeah, they got, they're going to come up a few points short uh, on this uh, on this race. And speaking of your eye on Isles, uh, make sure you go over and check out Chris's eye on Isles page. He broke his uh, viewership record for the month 
uh, over 15,000 articles read this month, if I believe that's correct. Isn't it, Chris? Yeah, I actually snuck into the 16,000. So uh, uh, I'm going to try to there you go. have some good articles. Well, I always try to have good articles, but uh, in April, you know, uh, on on different ideas and uh, springing into the off season, and and there could be who knows uh, with the season ending a week from tomorrow, uh, there could be there could be a lot of news about the team and uh, in terms of changes. So we'll, we'll have to see. All right, all right. But, well, I see uh, Dan thought... Lane on the line jumping in, jumping in a little bit early. So I'm just going to go ahead and bring Dana in right now. Dana, good Saturday, yeah, sure. sir. Hey, what's going on, guys? Sorry, uh, sorry, I got to the party no. early, but I was, uh, I, I was, I was more than uh, excited to talk about the Raiders in Vegas today. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> um, no, you jump in the party anytime you want, man. It's always our pleasure. Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel hockey team, Vegas Hockey Hotline co-host, weekdays one to two on fourteen hundred AM with our dear friend Brian Blessing. And Vegas prognosticator at SBR Sports. So, if you want to jump right into it, let me just say, how are the Raiders going to affect the Vegas Golden Knights? <laughs> well, I, I have to tell you guys. I mean, I I think it's <laughs> it, number one. I think it's great for the city. Um, number two, I, I think it will have very little effect. I mean, these are two gigantic platforms. Uh, two platforms that are two of the biggest sports platforms in the world. And as far as people worrying about corporate sponsorships, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. There's going to be that big of a decision. I think corporations are going to want to be part of both. Um, and, and let's be honest. I mean, we're not talking a lot of, about a lot of head to head days. Uh, we do have a city of 2.2 million and I can't believe that there's much crossover between football and hockey. So it's a win-win for the city. And I don't think it's uh, a, lo- a losing case scenario for either team. Well, let's, uh, you know, Vegas has Vegas, the Golden Knights have their corporate sponsorships locked in. Some of them, um, as far as 10 years commitments to the team. So you don't just back out of those because the Raiders decided to show up I, I'm a union electrician, so I'm for building the stadium. Um, I will, yes. Let me let me say this. Uh, most of the detraction is with the state of the schools in Clark County, they should have used that money for the educational system. Well, first of all, there would be no money if the Raiders weren't coming here. It was a special vote in the state legislature. They were called in out of session to vote specifically on whether to raise the room tax to fund a NFL stadium, not here's some money, decide what to do with it. Oh, okay, let's build a stadium instead of fund our schools. So that argument is pretty much a moot point. In, in, in backup to that plan, I will also say that it will benefit UNLV and the education system that goes on at the university because the yes. Rebels will be playing football there. It will affect, it will 100% affect recruitment. It will 100% affect the quality of athletes that decide to come to UNLV and it will 100% benefit the university and increase revenue. So in a roundabout way, but in a very real way, the education system, albeit the higher education, post, you know, K through 12, will be a direct benefit of this project. So I want to, I want to get your opinion on that. But in, in my opinion, the, the, that, that, oh, we should have funded schools and roads argument doesn't hold water because that's not what the tax rate was increased to do. Well, let's let's do this. I mean, Bill Foley made those comments on our show this past week. Um, and look, from his standpoint, I get it. And first of all, we can't be upset at people for not speaking their mind. We're we're ta- we're tired of the, sure. you know the same rhetoric all the time. So when somebody does speak their mind and, and candidly and and certainly you would feel the same way if you were in that position, then I don't, I don't know that if, if I'm a news agency that I'm going to go out and try to sensationalize their, their actual comments. The, the bottom line to his comments is, is very simple. He paid $500 million, which if you compare that yes, to anybody else, that is an outrageous figure. Only the Houston Texans paid more than that that belong to one of the four professional sports leagues in this, in this country, 500 million. Now that 500 million figure was probably predicated on the fact that 
Gary Bettman said, look, you are going to have this city all to yourself. You are going to reap all the benefits of being the only sports team in this city, and this is how we can justify this amount of money that we're charging you. And that's my only guess as to actually how you could come up with that because uh, last last that I knew, there was only 12 franchises that were worth that amount, and the Dallas Stars might fall under that this year. So they're right at that figure. Um, the, right. the fact is that this is a guy that has to feel, if he's being honest with you, a little bit snake-bitten it, when, when the expansion fee – should probably be been around three hundred million, something like that. So yeah, this is a guy that probably feels like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to do okay, but not as quickly as I thought I was going to do at first. I think too. Um, you mentioned that there's not going to be like head-to-head decisions to make of should I go to the Knights game, should I go to the Raiders game. Keep in mind. The Raiders will only be playing eight home games a year. People seem to lose track that right. the hockey season is 41 home games a year and a much cheaper ticket if you take a family board of the hockey game. You might be into it, you know, if you're in the upper bowl for, and you know, let's throw parking, a couple beers and a hot dog into it. You could get out of there for 300 bucks. You may not even be able to get into the Raiders stadium for two people at 300 bucks. So the, the the value of the entertainment dollar will, is certainly going to go a lot farther with the Golden Knights. And also, there's a good chance that, you know, on any given year, two, three, possibly four home games will have already been played in September before the Golden Knights drop the puck in, the, you know, the second, second, first weekend of October. So now you're only looking at maybe five home games that may compete with the Golden Knights schedule. Um, that, and I do still believe that he reaps – a large benefit of being the first franchise here because, you know, the Raiders have announced they'll play one preseason game at the uh, dilapidated Silver Bowl way out off Tropicana um, and in 20, you know, next season. Um, but we'll have close to 120 games under our belt of regular season hockey before the very first regular season football game is played here. So there's, there's a three-year window. And I heard, I heard uh, Ken, on your show during the week say that he, he didn't give much weight to the, well, we get a head start on the Raiders. Um, I, I put a lot of, of stock in it. The fact is there's, there's 120 chances before the Raiders play here for a guy to take a kid to the hockey game. And if they haven't been to the hockey games before, they fall in love with the sport. So the proper promotion, and, I'm, I'm, and they, you know, I know that's one of Ken's pet peeves with franchises that he thinks they should be doing much more in the community at this point. Um, the proper promotion and the proper, the proper publicity, um, the Golden Knights have every opportunity to maximize on that first in the market tag that, that, you know, we all were sold. Well, I'll even add to that too. And those are all, you know, great points. And that's exactly true. I'll even add to that by saying this. You better be thankful it's the Raiders if I was the Golden Knights. I'm not sure, right. besides the Eagles, that I would want any other franchise, if we had to accept a NFL franchise into the city, than the Oakland Raiders. And why is that? Well, if I got three kids that I'm bringing to a game, do I feel a little bit more comfortable bringing them to a hockey game? Or do I feel more comfortable bringing them to a Raiders game where 44-year-old salespeople dress up in black and white with spiked shoulder pads in the end zones at these games, screaming at the top of their lungs, and in many cases they have no idea what they're screaming about? You know, it's just – I have to tell you, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal because the environments are going to be two separate environments – for two separate types of fan bases, and I can't see 100%. there being much crossover. No, if you're looking to go go to a game with your family and and you know not subject your 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 kids to the black sure. hole mentality, um, ab- absolutely, it's a no brainer, right? The value of the dollar and well, the the atmosphere and environment that Foley has said he's going to create as a fr- family franchise. Um, uh, it's like you said, no brainer, right? I'll even throw this out too. 
you know, when the XFL was here, which was, uh, this was one of the cities where the XFL was, was highly <laughs> successful. But he I hate was, me. I, I ha- he does. And, and that was the best thing they had going in that league uh, besides Tommy Maddox. But, um, you know, look, it was a rough, a little bit of a rough environment, especially for those night games at Sam Boyd. And if you think the XFL was rough, wait till the face painters come in here and start rooting for their team from Oakland, from L.A., from Vegas, and don't think for a second there's not going to be a little Raider-on-Raider violence because all it's going to take is for somebody from Vegas to say, yeah, we took your team, and then it's on. You tell me the environment that you want to bring your family to. That's why this will not be a problem. There will be the different type of fan bases, and I think they'll stick to the franchises that they support. Yeah, that's a that's a great great point there. Let me uh, let me grab Chris in here. I know he's got a couple things for you, Chris. Hey, Dana, great to have you back. Uh, hey, Chris. Two, two questions for you on the night. Uh, uh, this week was uh, you know it was put out there that. The protection list will be made public when the, ah, when the yes. knights uh, uh, when the knights get uh, their list. NHL will release it to the public, and uh, I think that should be a lot of fun, uh, not just for uh, you know Vegas fans, but really uh, all all around the league, uh, all the fans of every team. Uh, uh, you think the NHL made the right call here? Oh, there's no doubt about it. There's not a, no doubt about it, Chris. I mean. Listen, these guys are in the business of entertainment, okay? And I've heard the argument of, well, you know, if, if a player doesn't want to get picked or doesn't get picked, what what dynamic does that create when it goes back when they go back to their team? Well, listen, it, these guys go through this every single year at the trade deadline. This is not some brand new concept of do they want me or don't they want me? The amount of people. Listen, if you're on a team, you know which side of the ledger you're on. You already know. This is not a big shock to you that you're going to be unprotected or protected. You know you are. So the amount, the percentage of players that will be absolutely hurt and shocked by the fact that they're left unprotected is probably minuscule. And it will even be less than that when a GM or a coach or whomever goes to a player and says, look, this is why we had to leave you unprotected. However, this is the way that we feel about you. And it is very simple to kind of gloss over a player being hurt. I mean, nobody should be hurt. You should know exactly where you stand. So I think the amount of players that will go back and create some you know, uh, I didn't know attitude in, in the locker room will be so minuscule. Um, I, I think the NHL is making the, the right move because this is a business of entertainment. And just talk alone uh, of the expansion draft and who's going to be left unprotected or protected is been great for this league. And it's going to be even better when the list come out and the NHL is going to ride this momentum as far as they can. And that's ultimately why they decided to, to leave these lists uh, or make these lists public. Yeah. Just to piggyback off that point, I think the few instances where there could be hurt feelings, you won't hear about, and I think uh, I'll take two teams as an example. Uh, a team like the Rangers, if they went to a Rick Nash and say, "Hey, look, you got one more year to go. They're, they uh, the odds of Vegas taking you are slim. How about waiving your no move clause?" Or Ryan Callahan, who's been beat up this year, uh, who has a no move clause, and if Tampa went to him, so they could protect one of their other forwards. Ironically, I think those are the situations where her feelings could come up. And, you know, obviously the player has control. They could say, no, I, I bargained that for a reason, and, and that could be her feelings back and forth there. But I agree with you on, on, on everything else you just well, said uh, regarding that. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, look, uh, there's nothing wrong with the team asking, and, you know, uh, you know uh, if they do it the right professional way. Well, let me just add to that, too, about Rick Nash, and I think he's – 
I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he's making close to $8 million. And, of course, he's, his career has been kind of checkered with some injuries. So I think you go to a Rick Nass in, in that situation and say, look, <laughs> we're going to – and perhaps there's deals made or, or you know, he, he just says no anyway, so it's not it's – a, it's a moot point. But say they do ask him to do that. I, I my my thing would be look you're making eight million bucks. There's no way George McPhee is going to take your contract. So yeah. if we leave you if we leave you unprotected, we don't have to leave somebody else unprotected. And we're we think that that's the way this is going to play out. Would you be willing to ride that out with us? No, I agree. I mean, eight million dollar contract anyway. That that he's you know Rick Nash is not yeah. going to be here. Yeah, the only thing I would say to that, if I was the player, I would be saying, look, I respect your opinion, and you're probably right with 98, 99% certainty, but, you know, I have a family, and they yep. live here, and we all like it here, and, you know, I don't even want to take a 1% to 2% chance of, uh, in his case, I think he only has one more year to go after this year, whereas Ryan Callahan, I think, has three more years to go, so it might be a little bit different uh, there. But uh, my other question I want to get to, is I saw an interesting quote this week, which makes sense, but uh, and I was trying to read deeper into it in between the lines and get your theory. Uh, you think I'm, my theory is, is on base. You know, George McPhee said this week, you know, we're looking at quality and not quantity. And, you know, I, with me, the first thing that jumped out to me is a lot of people feel he's going to take certain players specifically on defense and then, you know, flip them, flip them to other teams. And, I'm sure he. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to leave every door open uh, to advance this team for the long term as quickly as possible. As he said on this show, he believes in building this team to the draft. But that doesn't mean he's just going to do it for, you know, a bunch of mid-round picks or a bunch of second-tier prospects. That he, he's going to want some. He's going to want some meat on that bone. Well, what do you of course, of, I, what do you I think of that theory. Well, no, I, I think he's going to have plenty of meat on the bone. I mean, as I go through and I look at, you know, potentially who could be in a Vegas uniform, I see a bunch of defensemen, I see a bunch of centermen, and I see a bunch of goaltenders. And those are fantastic positions to, to use as pawns to get other players or draft picks that you want uh, for future, you know, future draft picks. And I think that's yeah, essentially see- what he's going to do. You see goalies? I see. I I don't see that many goalies that I like. The two that I really like in Ranta and Grubauer, I think they're both going to get moved in that window to the to the Dallas's or to the Arizonas or the Calgarys of the world. I, I don't really see a lot of goalies that I, I like. The kid on Columbus, but I like their forwards better. I don't really. I, there's not a lot of goalies. I think they're going to be an expansion that I like. Well, the only reason why we say that is because. You know that that has been said by the organization. I, mean, I it was I think it was on a, in between periods of a Ranger radio broadcast a couple of weeks ago, and I I don't know if it was Kelly McCrimmon said this, so, so don't quote me on this. But you know mm-hmm. they said we could have seven goaltenders in in camp, and we're like what? So now what? I'm thinking okay, well how how could you potentially have seven? Well, you know you have to take one player from each team. And if you're looking at, say, like, um, I don't know, say, say you really like Neuver or you like Carter Hutton or Montoya, and I, I don't know if I'm looking at what the other options are in those teams if I don't right. just go ahead and take their goaltenders, knowing full well that there are a boatload of teams in the league that need goaltending, and then I can turn those over for potential draft picks. So, you know, I mean, I – I think that that's a good plan. I don't think you get a bunch of wingers and are able to turn them over as much as you are, um, you know, even uh, even a guy like Allmark. Um, I just I just think you, you load up in defensemen and centermen and goaltenders, and I think that those are your bars of gold to get your draft picks, which is really gonna which is really gonna build your team. Yeah, I can see. These guys are sold on. I think they're good. they're gonna take uh, just to throw out there. I think they're gonna take about a dozen defensemen. I agree. I, I have a little bit less than that, but I have. I think I have them in, in about the nine or ten range. 
And, and they're good too. That's what I had. Too. And, and yeah, no, thing, no, that's where the that's where the strength is. One thing will be for sure: they will have big defensemen. They will be big yeah. bodies. Uh, of the mock drafts that I've done, every one of these guys are big bodies. And unfortunately, one of those guys was Mathot. So, you know, hopefully he'll come back. Uh, uh, you know, he'll come back from his injury. But God, if you get a guy like Brendan Dillon, who, who right around two thirty, Luke Shen from Arizona is two two twenty nine, two thirty. Mathot is two twenty. I mean, they are going to be big. Tyler Myers is rumored to be on that yeah. list too. Tyler Myers is a big boy. Yeah. Yeah, Alex so Petrovic of Florida. Excuse me. Yeah, I yep. think they're going to be um, really solid defensively. Um, and I, I said that is absolutely going to be the strength of their team. So if I'm George McPhee, I'm saying, look, I think if you had him pressed into a corner, I think he wants Mark Andre Fleury here. We'll see how that works out. But if you get a Mark Andre Fleury here in front of solid, big, bruising, heavy defensemen, Okay, that's half your battle. Now let's get a guy, perhaps like a TJ Oshie, who can give you a little bit of scoring with maybe perhaps Silverberg. We'll see how that rolls out. They may, you know, I don't think anybody's anticipating this team being uh, in the top twenty or top fifteen in goal scored in their first year. But you know what? The Anaheim Ducks did pretty well a couple. You know, they didn't do good in postseason. But they had a heck of a heck of a regular season with a team that couldn't score either. So, and they're in that type of division, besides Edmonton. So I think that that's going to bode well for the Golden Knights. I I think they're going to be a lot better than some people think that they will be. Uh, namely, namely my uh, colleague on Vegas Hockey or on uh, yeah Vegas Hockey Hotline. <laughs> well, I wanted to I wanted to have you maybe bring this up because I know that more so than other sports um, people look at the salary and the salary cap and oh we don't want that player he makes too much money and that happens more in hockey than anywhere else and I've we've all heard the yeah, well maybe if they say don't take this player we'll give you a second round pick back in return if you don't how about if and and I'm, I'm gonna use Dustin Brown as an, as an example He's everything you would want in a player to start a young franchise except his salary cap hit, right? He's the first U.S.-born player to raise the Stanley Cup. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He is a captain on both those teams. He plays a physical mm-hmm. brand of hockey and leaves it on the ice every single night. If Now, what if you go to him and say, hey, I know you guys have this salary cap hit problem with Dustin Brown. You retain salary, and we'll take him off your hands. Let's split it in half. You keep 50% of the salary, so you get $2.5 million. We'll take 50% of the salary, so we get $2.5 million. And that frees you up to sign your Tyler Topoli's, your Tanner Pearson's that are coming up for contracts in the next couple months. Um, but I haven't heard that specific, you know, bartering chip um, thrown out there yet, but I have to believe that they would have the rights at that point to make any deal they want with a Dean Lombardi or, you know, a Ryan Callahan who plays the same kind of game and has the same kind of salaries. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think of that? There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. That frees you up from a lot. Like even with Mark Andre, even with Mark Andre Fleury, you could say, okay, your guys are going with Matt Murray. Um, that's, that's where it's at. Um, you got him on the list. If you keep, uh, you know, a million, five, two million dollars of his salary. You know, that's something that may be more valuable in the short term um, to build a competitive roster, if that if that is the goal, um, than the proverbial second, third round pick to keep your hands off a player. Because I think with most of the young players, I think he's going to just assume want a player with NHL experience than a third round pick down the road that may or may not pan out into an NHL player. I mean, that's just me. But, well, I mean, what do you think of that? Um, well, Dustin, you know, going through it for myself, um, I was more interested in a guy like Derek Forbert, who, you know, is a, you know, a guy that's got a fantastic yep. salary, bringing 650000 into the equation. He's for 25 sure. years old. And he's uh, another solid defenseman. And I think that I would go in that, um, even if they – 
allowed like a, a guy like Braden McNabb to be unprotected. I mean, it, 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 you know, defensively is where I, I try to go into this and thinking, okay, if I'm building a team, how am I doing this? And so I'm building it from the, from the goaltender out. So now you got to make a decision. Okay. Well, Forber is not only younger, but makes a heck of a lot less money. They, the, the contracts, uh, his is up in 18 for sure. And Brown's up in 22, but from in reality, in relation to what you said, those deals are certainly being made. I am, there's no question about it, but you won't, you really won't hear any details of those deals until they're absolutely, you know, finished. Uh, you might hear until they're done deals, but but we see that the Golden Knights are pretty tight-lipped about everything that they're doing, uh, even non-team related things is very tight-lipped. So I wouldn't expect any of those things to come out, but but certainly they're making deals like that. Absolutely. I mean. This is why even before the trade deadline, I didn't even get involved in the expansion process because there the expansion draft process because it was just a complete waste of time because you had no idea what the landscape was going to look like until after the expand uh, after the trade deadline. So if I can make a you know, honestly, oh, I'm sorry. yeah, go ahead. No. No, I was just going to make one quick point about Brown and 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 what McPhee is going to look like. I agree with everything you just said, Mark. And actually, his cap hit on an annual basis uh, is probably you know a little too high. But problem with him isn't his annual cap hit; it's how many more years he is signed for, which is four to five years. So if you take uh, if you ask George McPhee about a player he liked with a bit of a twenty percent overstated cap hit who signed for the next two or three years, I think that falls into, you know, yeah. into one basket. I think once you get past someone signed three years, I don't think he's going to touch those kind of players. I, I agree. No, and with you're that probably too. right. I was, just using, I was just using that as an example of a type of deal that could be made um, to, to, you know, not get around it but to soften any sort of salary cap player, if there is a player he wants to target that uh, he might be able to get relief from back from that team. Um, I don't, I, I, I agree that when we did our mock draft on the show, I, I took, uh, I took Forbert or Trevor Lewis, depending on uh, which defenseman was made available. So, well, real quick, I see Doc, Tom Dionora from the hockeywriters.com on hold there. We see you, Tom. Uh, we'll be with you in just a quick second. I want to get, Dana Lane Saturday night special. We're getting here down into the nitty gritty. Uh, most of the playoff spots have been decided already, except that last spot in the East. So uh, what are you looking at tonight, Dana? Um, I did a write-up on SBR today for Edmonton and Anaheim. You're getting plus a dollar two on the under, which is five. Uh, I don't always love getting involved in fives because it either it, it, it tends to sit on a five or you get that late goal to push you over the five in a in a close situation. But um, you know, so so far we've seen the public jump all over the total on the on the over. In fact, about seventy percent, seventy six percent of all the tickets written have been on the total on the over. But you know, the Ducks are very rarely a team that I count on to push the game over. In fact, you know, offensively they can't be counted on. They're, they're one of the you know bottom half. Uh, they're in the bottom half offensively, but they're pretty again on the flip side, pretty darn good. You know, defensively, and that's kind of what the Ducks have been for for years, despite what the head coach would be. I would have to think, in order for this game to go over the five, that the Ducks would have to be in that three to four goal mark, and I just don't see that happening, especially with the uh, Pacific Division on the line. I think after that game against Winnipeg the other night, and which they absolutely fell apart after a uh, 3-1 lead at the end of the second intermission, I think they're just going to go back to basics and play duck hockey, which is good defensive hockey. Uh, they're very good on the, on the special teams as far as killing off penalties. So I, I don't feel like Edmonton's going to get a couple cheap goals there. Um, I think this is going to be a drag-it-out uh, defensive-type game. And if you're going to give me plus twenty-one on the under, I'll take that all day long. Excuse me. All right. All right. Under under on the, the Ducks Oilers. And that is going to be a nitty gritty fight, too, because both teams got to feel that that, uh, you know, towards the Pacific Division championship. This is this is, you know, one of the last five on the schedule that, you know, it's a four point the proverbial four point game. 
um, keep keep the two, win the two. So um, could could be a good call. Could be a good call. Dana, we got to run next week. We're going to be doing our our full fledged playoff preview show, and Dana's Dana's been been kind enough to uh, agree to join us for the whole show. Um, we're going to have a couple guests call in, so next next week's going to be a lot of fun, Dana. We look forward to talking to you then, buddy. Thanks for coming in. As do I. Appreciate it. I hope you have a great week, guys. Thank All you. right, you too. And now we will bring in Tom Dionora from thehockeywriters.com. Tom, are you there, bud? I am. All right. Well, th- that is that. That's correct on your name. It's Dionora. Yeah. So you got it right the first time. Dionora, I had it right. Fantastic. Well, thanks for taking the time out of a Saturday to uh, jump into the Vegas Hockey Podcast and join us. Tom writes for the Hockey Writers. He's the editor and and covers the New York Rangers at HockeyWriters dot com. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom underscore Dionora D I A N O R A. And uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, New York Rangers season so far so good. Are they where are they where you thought they would be at this point in the season? Underperforming, overperforming, or, or pretty much right where they're at? Um, I'd have to say overall, like taking the whole season into account, they probably have overachieved a little bit. Um, before the year, I figured they would be a playoff team, um, largely because of their forward depth, kind of masking their problems on defense. But, you know, here we are with four games left, and they're at 98 points. And I didn't think they'd, you know, have this good a record at this point in the year. So I think overall it's been um, – got to take it as a positive this year because after last year's class in that first round, it seemed like they were kind of trending down, and here they are right back once again. And and, and I would argue that their the division itself is a stronger division top to bottom than it was – last season. So certainly going to crack a hundred points on the season. Um, I, I tend to agree with you on the overachieving part. Let me bring in my, my esteemed co-host, Chris Lisa, who has been communicating with you pre-show all week long. I know he wanted to jump right in and talk some Rangers hockey, right, Chris? Absolutely. Great. Great to have you on Tom Vegas, uh, podcast, hockey podcast. Um, you know, Tom, it, it's looking like now almost a, getting close to a certainty that the Rangers are going to face the Montreal Canadiens in the first round. What do you see as the, you know, the keys to that series? And I want to get your take of just doing a little statistical uh, in terms of the Ranger penalty kill and, you know, the, the Montreal's power play uh, uh, as well in terms of, in terms of your keys. Yeah. So, um, the Rangers, like while it's desirable, I guess more so to end up in that Atlantic bracket as the wild card, top wild card, than it would be to remain in the Metro bracket, which, as you know, we were just saying, that Metro is probably the best division in the league this year. The matchup versus Montreal is far from ideal. I mean, they're 0-3 against them this year. And to your point, the Rangers' penalty kill has really kind of fallen off a cliff lately. Um, they are kind of middle of the pack most of the year and very dangerous um, shorthanded as far as goal scoring, but they've been given up seems like at least a power play goal every game, the last 10, 12 games now, and their penalty kill has dropped to 23rd overall in the league, which is not, not good. It was a big problem last year. It's a big reason why they struggled um, for a lot of last year and, and lost that series to Pittsburgh in the first round. So I think that, and then their overall blue line play are the two biggest concerns I would have. Um, against Montreal. Yeah, and, you know, Tom, you mentioned before about the rough series they had with Pittsburgh in the first round last year. And, you know, uh, you remember all the stories that came out, came out you know, uh, is the Rangers' window closing? Uh, some of the big papers in New York were even saying, should the Rangers think about trading Lundqvist? Uh, I, I don't envision a series that kind of gets away from them like the Pittsburgh one, but if they were, let's even to say, lose in the first round, lose a game seven in double overtime, will will that kind of chatter uh, be prevalent uh, if they lose in the first round? Um, honestly, I'm not sure the approach as far as like off season changes is going to be much different. Um, you know, if they lose in the first round versus like make a deep run in the playoffs. 
Um, I think people close enough to the team, despite their record, like know where the team has holes and it's on defense mainly. So I think that, you know, no matter what happens in the playoffs, they're going to go after Shattenkirk in the offseason. And it seems like they would have a decent chance at landing him. I think no matter what happens, because of salary cap reasons and performance reasons, they're going to have to try to cut ties with, maybe buy out somehow one of at least um, Mark Stahl, Dan Girardi, or Kevin Klein. Those are the changes that they need to make, and I think that they're coming regardless of what happens in the postseason. Before I hand you back over to Mark, uh, you mentioned Shattenkirk, who's from New Rochelle, New York. Um, it'll be a pretty good size uh, in terms of years and cap number. Do you really think, though, that's the kind of blue liner they they're, 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 they really need? Um, I do. Um, they do need that one extra, especially on the right side. Um, and he's a right-hand shot, plays the right side, can bring some offense, is solid defensively. They can finally give Ryan McDonough that top pair defenseman that he's been longing for for so long now. He's mostly been stuck with a declining Dan Girardi. So if you are able, if the Rangers are able to sign a Shattenkirk and then maybe they even look to re-sign Brendan Smith, who I think has been uh, very solid since the Rangers acquired him at the trade deadline from the Red Wings, you could be looking at a top four of McDonough, Shattenkirk, Smith, and Brady Shea, who's had such a great year as a rookie. So your defense kind of goes from a big weakness now to really a strength if those moves are able to happen. Of course, salary cap space, here, kind of what you alluded to, becomes a factor. So other moves have to be made to make that all fit. But I think it's something the Rangers need to try to make happen. Well, this is this is Mark Warner on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Tom Dianora. I I want to back up to your point about cutting ties and maybe using a buyout on there. Is there any, is there any chatter about maybe using the buyout on a Rick Nash? Because I mean, as far as production to cap hit has got to be one of the most lopsided ratios in the league, um, generally speaking. And, you know, looking back at his playoff performances, you know, at times he's been all but invisible on the ice. Um, is there, is there any talk mm-hmm. about maybe, maybe using the buyout on him? Um, there's, I haven't heard any of that kind of chatter, I as far, you know, at least in a serious regard. Um, you know, a lot of flack gets thrown at Rick Nash because the goal-scoring numbers are not really elite, and he makes $7.8 million a year. But, you know, he has been hot lately. He does have 23 goals. And he said it might be one of the most lopsided, you know, um, contract performance ratios in the league. But right. I'd counter that and say Dan Girardi at $5.5 million for being just an anchor to Ryan McDonough on the blue line is worse. Plus, Rick okay, we could, we could put Dustin Brown in that in that with his with his almost six million dollar cap hit for his eleven goals too. So, <laughs> right, that's, that's a great point. I agree with that. Um, and the other point I was going to make was that after this year, Nash only has one more year on some of the contracts. So, like, do you really want to waste a buyout on him and have to pay? You know, have the, that those payments drawn out, or do you just you know have him one more year and he's still you know a reasonably effective player? for sure, and can, play, and can play well in all three zones. So he only has one year left, so right. I don't see a scenario where they use a buyout on him. Well, uh, just just a similar situation. Vanek had one year left on his deal, and Minnesota used their buyout on him, so it wouldn't be entirely unprecedented. Um, no. You did mention a lot of the younger guys. You did mention a lot of the younger guys, and – I wonder if you could go over what the what your projected protection list for uh, our Golden Knights here in Las Vegas and who might be available and maybe maybe who the Rangers would be crossing their fingers that the Knights would take and and who you guys absolutely don't want to lose but who is most likely going to be on the list. Yeah, so I think that the Rangers have to go with the seven forward, three defense, and one goalie protection option. Um, right. I think that the seven the seven that they'll protect, I think they have to protect Rick Nash because of his no-move clause. So right. the other six that 
I think they have to protect, they're going to protect our Derek Stepan, Matt Zuccarello, Chris Kreider, Kevin Hayes, JT Miller, and Mika Zibanejad. He's a restricted free agent, but I'm sure they'll re-sign him. So they, those are our six forwards. And the three defensemen, right now, Girardi and Stahl are auto-protected because of their clauses. So unless some movement happens there, or the Rangers get them to one of them to waive. There are no movement clause for purposes of exposure in the draft. Um, those two are kind of locked in, and then obviously Ryan McDonough would be the other one. Um, Brady Shea, mm-hmm. as a rookie, is exempt from the expansion draft. And then you have Brendan Smith, who's an unrestricted free agent. So if the Rangers wanted to re-sign him, I think they'd want to hold off, obviously, until after that expansion draft. Right, so, right. As the, far uh, as the one, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the one, no, the one caveat say, so in that, the draft that's that's kind of interesting is if the Vegas Knights they have that forty-eight hour window where they can negotiate with any UFA off anybody's roster, and if if they're able to reach agreement with that player then that just automatically becomes the pick from that team. So that if they right. if they are wanting to keep one of their UFAs, they may be inclined to hopefully, you know, re-sign them before it gets to that draft date if they think George McPhee has his eye on those guys. <laughs> right. And, you know, that's an inherent risk with Brendan Smith, again, if the Rangers want to re-sign him. Although I think it's a risk – you know, they'll have to take that. I think they should hold off on, re- on re-signing. Yeah, because then if, if he if you have to protect him, Andrew Arhe is stolen. <laughs> At least they've done it, and that's a disaster scenario. So, Right, um, right. Disaster scenario depending on your perspective. Well, that would be my perspective, that he has to protect Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's the rational perspective. For no disrespect to yeah, yeah, alternate opinions out there, but <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. The uh, man, the no movements to Girardi and and Stahl really kind of hamstring them on that back end. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and that's why, like, you know, they might go to one or both of them and ask, like, hey, are you willing to waive that clause purposes of the expansion draft? Because I frankly don't see Vegas taking one of those players, so it's probably not really a big right. risk. The eyes, players, are, so if the, eyes okay. the eyes out here are all on the goaltender. <laughs> right. So I guess are you, that brings us to Auntie Ranta, who well, certainly sure. I would think draws some, some interest from Vegas. Um, he He's definitely at risk to be taken. Um, but – I have this feeling that there's a good shot that Vegas will look seriously at Mark Andre Fleury just from like a branding perspective. He's a big name. Um, he is, you know, a little older, but he's got kind of some brand equity, some star power in his name. So that might be a good publicity move, and he certainly can still be an effective goaltender for a few more years. So that kind of leaves. Um, assuming they don't take Ronta as like another guy as like a backup, um, that kind of leaves some of the depth forwards for the Rangers as guys who could get taken. Well, there's a lot of chatter out here that they um, one of their one of their let's say strategies before the amateur draft is to possibly take Flurry and Ranta and. You know, go on, go on down the list, and the they they said earlier in the week on the Vegas Hockey Hotline radio show here in town, they could go into camp with as many as seven goaltenders coming out of the expansion draft. So, mm-hmm. one of their strategies may be is to load up on the Rontas and the Mark Andre Flurries and um, see what kind of chips they would get on the open market prior to the to the amateur entry draft. Um, which presents all kind of interesting scenarios to to the point where what's Ranta worth on the open market with all the other teams knowing that, you know, what's the price, what's the max price you could pay for a goaltender who's going to be taken anyway, um, and how how low you could bid on him, and what New York might be willing to take in in, in exchange for you know losing him for nothing, um, could someone pry him out of there for a fourth or a third round pick even. And that's better than yeah. losing him for nothing. And and with that hanging yeah. out, you know, it creates a lot of interesting 
scenarios to where Vegas Vegas really holds all the cards in this thing. Definitely, and I don't know if you attended that pun with Vegas and cards, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, see the, what I did there. <laughs> the idea, yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, certainly a possibility that they might want to load up on goalies, like you said, and you know, the Rangers might want to explore kind of they tra- when their trade for Talbot they did a couple years ago when he was just an effective backup and they traded him to Edmonton for a few mid-round draft picks. So, you know, that's another route they could go as well as explore that for the draft. Well, one thing, it's going to be an interesting June. Wow. We, we can all agree on that for sure. Well, let me bring Chris back in. He's got a, he's got a couple quick ones for you before I got to let everybody go and get out of here. So Chris, jump right in, man. Sure. Yeah, I got a, two quickies for you, uh, Tom. If George McPhee were to call you today and tell you, look, for the reasons you stated before, I'm not taking Ranta. But I want your opinion. I'm either taking Fast, Jesper Fast, or Oscar Lindbergh. Give me your recommendation. What would you say? I would say to take Oscar Lindbergh. Um, he is a center iceman, so that always br- inherently brings some extra value. He's 25. Yep. He matches Jesper Fast. Um, but he was, you know, one of the Rangers' top prospects, you know, just couple of years ago, or even less than that, a lot of Ranger fans were really excited about this guy, and he got off to a great start last year, but then he slowed down, and then he had that hip surgery this past offseason, found himself kind of on the outside of the lineup, but in the second half of the season has solidified a spot in the lineup and has really played well for them and been a great depth center, has a scoring touch, is responsible defensively, and seems you know, to still be on the upswing, has some upside. So I think that, you know, he has a decent amount of potential as a center iceman who can play in all three zones, and that would be a savvy pick for Vegas. And my last one for you, uh, Mark Stoll, you know, like you mentioned him, you know, about, as you know, Tom, about three years ago, he looked like he was going to be a stalwart on the blue line. What's happened to his game? I know he had a number of injuries and including some scary concussion uh, situations, but why has his game uh, deteriorated so much uh, over the last two or three years? Yeah, it's hard to point to any single major reason. Like you said, the injuries play a role. I think the heavy minutes he's logged over the years play a role. And it really is tough to say. Like, I don't know. Like, I hate to say it, and I don't know how much effect it really has, but he really hasn't been the same since that scary eye injury he suffered. But the weird thing about that is, like, it seems like he's not the same skater that he used to be, and you wouldn't think that an eye injury would have an impact on that. But there's definitely a correlation there. Um, I think between the injuries and just all the minutes he's logged over the years, if the Rangers have made deep playoff runs, he's really just kind of broken down. And I think his best days are clearly behind him. Um, with that said, he, I think, has taken a step forward since last year, although that's not saying a lot because he had a very bad year last year and has been a little better this year. Well, all right, we're talking with Tom Giannora. Um I, I wanted to real quick, um, aside, aside from winning the Stanley Cup, obviously that's the goal, let's say – What's a successful playoff run for the Rangers this year? What's a what's a real are we are we looking at an Eastern Conference Finals team here? Uh a second round team or a hard fought first round matchup with the the blasted Canadians where they fall in six or seven games. What's what's a successful playoff trip this year for the New York Rangers? Yeah, so before I answer that question, I think that kind of what I was saying right at the top no matter what happens in the playoffs, I think the Rangers have slightly overachieved this year, um, given the flaws that we knew right. they had coming in. So I think you can't like draw too much if they don't have a good playoff run. But I think you could really consider the season a great success if they get to the conference final, which I think is very doable. Um, you know, just a lot of big reason because of the bracket they're going to end up in. I think that Montreal series will be real tough, but potentially that second round series in the Atlantic bracket could be, you know, an even more winnable series than Montreal. So if they're able to get past Montreal, then I'm sure they'll have a decent shot against whoever they play in the second round in the Atlantic. And that gets them to the conference finals if they're able to win that. 
Yeah, that would be that. Would, and and yeah, in with that, especially you know after the after the last Stanley Cup run they had, they went on a little bit of a dip. So to be able to get back into the conference finals just a couple of years later, a lot of people were thinking that the window on that core group was was closed after that run. So. A, a return trip to the Eastern Conference Finals would certainly bode well for the for the boys in blue there. So, yeah, I agree. And kind of to your point about the window, like seeming like it was closing, like I think that narrative might be a little overblown, to be honest. Because um, I think if I they make the types of, I think if they make the types of improvements on defense that I discussed earlier, then they've got a great forward group to go with that. I mean. You look at some of their core guys, and they're all pretty young. Like, Stepan's like a young veteran. He's still only 26. Zuccarello's a little older, 29. But then you got Kreider's 25. Hayes and Miller are 24. Zibanejad's only 23. VC 23. But Genevich is 21. I mean, (laughs) that's a good group of forwards. And, yeah, people will talk about Lundqvist is 35. But even without... Lundqvist, there's, they have this goalie prospect in Russia in the KHL, Igor Shostyorkin, and he's just been a star over there, and he's only 21, so I think he's the heir apparent to Lundqvist. So the future isn't all that dim for the Rangers. I think they still have a window to be good here for another you know, handful of years. Well, the Lundqvist-Price matchup in the first round has got to be one of the uh, the, the – the darling matchups for the NHL, you know, they got to love that. Uh, especially, especially, you know, fans of, of defensive goaltending uh, brand of hockey. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that series out of, out of all the potential first round matchups, just, just to see those two guys square off again. I mean, that's, that's going to be some exciting hockey. You mentioned, you mentioned the Russian prospect and that kind of perked my ears because Chris's Islanders have a goaltender in the KHL uh, Ilya Sorkin, who puts up video game numbers over there in what you know everybody knows is an offensive-oriented league, and and could it be that uh, one day we'll have two Russian goaltenders battling in New York, Chris? What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I didn't know much about this Russian goalie, and until I heard Tom uh, talk about it recently, and um, right, yeah, it, may, it makes sense. Uh, they both have. Uh, uh, you know, Sorkin won the Goalie of the Year award in the KHL. I think he had a 106 goals against last year. He's really struggled this year. Yeah. He's around 150. So he's he's really you know he's got to get his game <laughs> together. So and they're both they're both very young. So uh, yeah, uh, might there might be uh, good business coming along for uh, the Brighton Beach area in New York. Yeah, I mean, that could be as a long great as they don't get in touch match. with the. Yeah, as long as they don't get in t- touch with the Trump administration while they're here, then I think we'll all be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, Tom, I got to let you go. We're almost out of time here, buddy. But thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate it very much. You guys follow Tom on Twitter at Tom underscore Dianora, D-I-A-N-O-R-A. And go to thehockeywriters.com for all of his Rangers content. He's the editor and chief Rangers contributor over at thehockeywriters.com. Tom, thank you again for coming in, taking part of your Saturday to talk some hockey with us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Always, always enjoy talking hockey. For sure. Thanks, Tom. Have a good day, bud. All right, you too. Thanks. All right, all right, Tom Dianora. That was uh, that was some good time Rangers talk there, bud. Good, good, good pull on the guest this week, sir. Yes, you know, he's he, he he has the Rangers down, and you know, I, I all kidding aside, uh, uh, being an Islander guy, you know how I want to see, uh, all due respect, uh, being a big rival. But um, yeah, I, it would not shock me if the Rangers got to the Eastern Conference Finals simply because of going through uh, the the Atlantic. Uh, I, I uh, we'll talk about this more in depth next week on our playoff preview show. Uh, but I, I think that's a uh, pretty much a coin flip series with the Canadians. But I can all, obviously also easily see them losing in the first round. And, you know, there will be – one thing I differ about it, I think there will be uh, – you know, this is a team that uh, three or four years ago got to the cup final, and then the following year they were one game away to get in the, back to the cup final. So if they go back-to-back years losing in the first round, uh, not that that heads are going to roll – per se, but there will be a lot of talk about, well, 
is the window closing. Now, it doesn't mean the talk is right, uh, but, you know, something interesting to follow. And uh, with that, you know, two quick promotions. Next Saturday, I believe we're going to kick off around the same time. Uh, we're not set in stone with that yet, but we will get there. We're doing a playoff preview, first-round playoff preview show. Dana's going to co-host with us. We have J.D. Styles coming in to get his thoughts on the first-round uh, matchups, and we're also having a good friend of the show, Matt Pryor, as well, coming in uh match with the hockey writers, covers the Panthers and Stars, and J.D., is with Cali Sports News, LA Kings Road podcast, and um, he's out. He's up in Toronto, so we'll get a, if Toronto's in the mix, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs to get a good feel for him. And also, too, you can catch our shows on blogtalkradio.com, uh, soundcloud.com, as well as thehockeywriters.com, which were part of their podcast network. And uh, for, you know, for this show, last week's show with Luke Johnson and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and two weeks ago, Everyone check out, our, which has been very popular, our mock draft show. Uh, so we, we, me and Mark pick the Golden Knights. We go through uh, each team in the league and uh, what are the possibilities and where, uh, in terms of their where they're at with their protection list. So I, I think that's a real fun listen, and uh, you can go in and listen to what is my team, team looking at in terms of expansion decisions. And I don't think that's gonna gonna end up being our last mock draft either. I think after the Stanley Cup, when uh, who when the season's over and the real fun begins, um, as far as watching trades yeah. and and rosters take shape, but we're gonna have to do another one, sir. Yeah, I hope I would be ideal uh, if we had that little window there, uh, that two three window, if the list get uh, we get the dates and. We could do a show that de- that night or something along those lines, and uh, absolutely, and, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be a lot of fun. And we're also planning uh, for you Vegas fans. Uh, I believe it's going to be at the end of April. Hasn't been announced yet, uh, which is unlike the NHL. The last couple of years they've announced it by now, but pretty much any day the NHL lottery show. Which, by the way, my friend, me and you are not going to just be interested from a Vegas perspective. <laughs> for our team's perspective, <laughs> uh, in terms of the lottery. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, huh. who, Kings. Right. Who, who's, yeah, I know. Who's going to pick one, two, and three? And which, you know, we're trying to work out uh, having a guest on. We're hoping for Zach Devine if he's not covering a game. Uh, so talk about, uh, from a Vegas perspective, where they're picking. They can pick anywhere from one to six player names and, you know that day will we? It's probably going to be on a Saturday, so we will just push the show back a, a few hours, if you will. So uh, we're working on that. Maybe well. maybe go to so, Sunday. Also, maybe go to Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and I also am uh, been in contact with Derek Kelling, who we've had on earlier, who talked about the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, yep. as well as Quebec City. Love to have him on before the draft. He's written some great stuff. I I tweeted it out today. Uh, an article about hot in the NHL coming to Seattle possibly in three to four years. He's written some great stuff on the Arizona situation. So uh, I know it's playoff time, but maybe we, we can sneak in the segment with him somewhere along the way uh, about those issues because those are pretty big issues. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be tougher for Arizona to leave this southwest area now that, that Vegas is here because – they're going to want that desert rivalry just for promotion's sake. And if the Coyotes do end up um, maybe tagging along with the Suns' new arena or, you know, the, the ASU's, the Tempe deal kind of fell through. But um, I think that that it's going to be tough to for them to leave that market and even tougher now that they're going to want a desert rivalry. Um, but, but the but Seattle thing just frustrates me. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the, the, the Seattle thing just uh, frustrates me, man. Build a well, build an his, arena. He, his, his new his new article on fan sided. You check out. Uh, I tweeted it out time this morning. Um, check it out. Uh, there's a little could be a little could be a little light at the end of the tunnel. I hope so. That's yeah. I, we, you know, absolutely. Just, for, when when it looked like Seattle was going to put in a bid with the expansion. Um, we 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 had a couple of their podcast hosts up here, their uh, SB sure. Nation guys, 
Um, they're great guys, and and obviously it's a slam dunk for the NHL as far as market market goes in Seattle. Um, build the arena. Their city council is is I don't know. I don't want to get too far into it, but uh, I already did my obligatory politics mention um, earlier in the show, so I'm not going to get into it. But uh, just build the arena, and and obviously there'll be a, the tenant there. So get on the ball, Seattle. We want you in the league. Absolutely. Be the 32nd team. All right. Well, next week we've got our uh, – I'm, I'm our, our playoff preview. We're going to have the Dana in with the Vegas perspective. You already mentioned J.D. Styles and Matt Pryor. Um, I want to get J.D.'s take on the Toronto market and their return to the playoffs. Um, so it's going to be a real good show. Same bad time, same bad channel next week on Block Talk Radio, Saturday at 1130 a.m. Uh, Chris? Chris, any last thoughts, or do, did you just knock it out? No, I think I think we're good, and we'll all be looking at our wounds as unless something very strange happens. Uh, you know, Matt covers the Panthers and the mm-hmm. Stars, not in the playoffs. JG's the Kings, not in the playoffs. Your Kings, my Islanders. I mean, we'll, we're all going to be looking at our wounds next week. Uh, maybe I'll make everybody pick a vicarious team to live through as they go through the playoffs. Um, JD's in Toronto. I don't know if that's considered being a trader. If he kind of ha- keeps his eye on the on the lease run, I know I'll be watching them. They're they're a fun bunch of guys to watch play hockey. So um, that, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun next week for Chris on Mark, and for this week we're gone. <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.